You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 195, the Sydney Framework, Supply Chains and Sustainable Development Goal 8.7. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Sandy, today, yet another expert who has been hard at work and really working in partnership to end human trafficking. I'm so excited for this conversation. I am too. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest? I am pleased to welcome to the show today Ambassador John McCarthy. John is the chair of the Sydney Archdiocesan Anti-Slavery Task Force. He was also Australian ambassador to the Vatican from 2012 until 2016. During his diplomatic service at the Holy See, Mr. McCarthy was closely involved with human rights issues particularly with the eradication of modern slavery and human trafficking, a cause which Pope Francis has made a worldwide priority. Mr. McCarthy was also heavily engaged in conference and consultations in Rome during 2015 in respect to the Sustainable Development Goals. Since returning to Australia, he has remained engaged in the anti-slavery cause and since May 2017 has been chair of the Sydney Archdiocesan Anti-Slavery Task Force. Mr. McCarthy lives in Sydney and is married with six children and seven grandchildren. He was a senior barrister at Queen's Consul and was briefed in many notable cases, including the first recognition of native title on the Australian mainland. Ambassador, we're so glad to welcome you to the Ending Human Trafficking podcast. Delighted to be with you. So let's jump into this conversation. We had dinner just a few nights ago, and I was so encouraged by your hopeful attitude towards how we can use sustainable development goals and supply chain transparency to end human trafficking. So tell us about the Sydney framework. What you've got to understand about the Archdiocese of Sydney is that it, it is a very big concern. It's a diocese not like Los Angeles where you are, but more like New York, that its metropolitan area has been divided into a number of dioceses. In Sydney, we have 600,000 Catholics. There is a very large Catholic school system with 70,000 students who are part of that system with 8,500 teachers in 153 schools. And there is a spend in relation to that of uh, about $850 million. Most of that money is spent on wages and salaries for the 8,500 teachers, but about $150 million to $200 million is spent on goods and services in respect of the school system, which is a very large sum of money and includes construction costs because they're always constructing new schools or renovating other schools. So there is a large exposure by the school system and uh, other parts of our diocese through our 
welfare system, which has about $75 million a year. It's called Catholic Care and Aged Care Facilities in the Archdiocese that are exposed to goods and services that we don't know what their provenance often is. That is, whether they are tainted with slavery or with poor slavery. Now, this is something that is common across most of the Western economies. It's known to the governments, it's known to the churches, it's known to the corporate sector. And what the Archbishop of Sydney, Archbishop Fisher, has started as a program is that the church's money is not to be used to buy goods and services that are tainted with slavery or forced labour. We're not going to give money to criminals. And we want to set up a system of due diligence in our supply chains so that we eliminate such goods and services so that we can properly say to the world that we're doing all that we can to try and eliminate forced labour and the taints of slavery from what the church can do something about in a direct way, which is the goods and services that are purchased there. So let me interject here. My students are constantly talking about supply chain transparency and checking to see if the products that we drive demand for are made by slaves and child forced labor slavery. And sometimes they feel a little overwhelmed and ask me, if one person makes this decision, does it really make a difference? My spending income for the whole year is only $1,500. That's what a student says to me. But you're talking about doing this on a scale where the budget is $100 million. Tell me how more, we, more than that. Tell, talk about that. Well, we have a very large school system and there are bulk orders of uniforms, of computers, of school equipment and construction material. These aren't small items, these are large items. There are finance and procurement departments. Very professional, qualified people are in charge of these systems. We're not talking about just individual purchasing. We are talking about institutional and corporate group purchasing. That's where the large figures start to start to become obvious. And the suppliers, the suppliers are not talking about items here and there. They are talking about millions and millions of dollars of contracts. Wow. And in, no, in those respects, when we say we want to work and cooperate and have our suppliers cooperate with us so that we can do due diligence with the suppliers to see that the goods and services that are supplied to us are not tainted with slavery and not tainted with forced labour. And I was so impressed when we were talking about this that you brought this down to ordering boxes of paper. I'm at an academic institution. We use a lot of paper. I never thought about how do you check the supply chain for paper and how do you do that? Well, we talk to our suppliers and we talk to the manufacturers of the paper. The issue that you're referring to is this. As well as our supply chains policy, that's the first link in, in our chain, we also have an ethical purchasing program 
which is concerned with our parishes, which aren't big enough. There's 133 parishes in Sydney. They're not big enough to have supply chains, but they've got the presbytery, they've got the office, and they've got the faithful who are part of the parish, and we've provided them with a way in which they can purchase a certain lines of items that are guaranteed to be free of slavery and forced labour. We do this through fair trade organisations and other things, and the church guarantees to its faithful that if you buy these goods, they are free of these taints. Now, in relation to those sorts of goods, one of those was going to be copy paper. And we had hoped to put copy paper on this list and we talked to those that were going to be the suppliers in relation to our ethical purchasing system to have the paper checked as to where the pulp came from. We were satisfied that if it was only Australian pulp paper, then it would probably have been manufactured, produced under proper wages and conditions in Australia, and we wanted to know that. But it turned out that pulp that was used came from China and came from the subcontinent and was mixed with Australian pulp. And we were not prepared to start on the basis that we'd be knocked out in the first day or so. The people were saying, oh, look, you said that we're going to have, you guaranteed these things. We know that there's pulp coming, uh, that is associated with these papers that comes from overseas. Can you guarantee that that hasn't been produced with forced labour and so on? Well, the answer was that we couldn't. So copy paper couldn't be used in that way. So we have to like go deeper or or either we have to go higher. I'm not exactly sure, but let's kind of switch the conversation to why the sustainable development goals are such a critical part of your agenda. Well, all the world agreed to them. In 2015, the sustainable development goals were unanimously passed by the UN, by all the member states of the UN. That includes the United States and Australia. And everyone agreed on a day on which the Pope, the Holy Father, Francis, was at the UN to the Sustainable Development Goals. And they included 8.7, which makes specific reference to the immediate eradication of modern slavery and human trafficking, of the ending of child slavery by 2025, and of all slavery by the end of the period for the Sustainable Development Goals, which is 2030. The big thing about this is that this was an inspiration of the Pope, and what he wanted was that all the world agreed that this generation would end modern slavery and human trafficking. And he got all the nations of the world to agree through 8.7 of the Sustainable Development Goals that this is what the world in all its peoples and its governments would aim to do. In other words, you can ask the United States government what their position is and they'll tell you that. So will the Australian government, so will other governments. Some of them may not be as strong about how they're going to go about this, but everyone agreed. And the second one was to put a time on things. I mean, what the Pope wanted the world to agree to is that we're going to eradicate this huge affront 
to human dignity, this dreadful curtailment of freedom and liberty that affects about 40 million people in our world. Now, admittedly, this is the largest number in history, but we've got the biggest number of people at the present time. But it is still a very, very significant number. Now, in relation to those people, 16 to 18 million people are calculated to be involved in supply chains that supply the ordinary goods and services that people buy in the Western world and corporations and organisations and governments purchase. I mean, governments are the biggest procurers of goods and services across the world, and they have a particular responsibility for that. But as well as that, the church, the Catholic church, has very significant institutional basis across the world and has supply chains also and must do something to bring about a situation where they are demonstrating that they're doing something about it. So some of my students will be listening to this, and I want them to be a little more on track with SDGs. So we had the Millennial Development Goals early. Yes, they expired in, eight, in 2015. Right. And so, so many of us were working on rights of women, girl, the girl child. We worked on, on poverty. Now the Sustainable Development Goals were the next set of international goals sponsored by the United Nations. And they aim to eradicate poverty. And a lot of the risk factors for human trafficking are alleviated if we implement and work through the sustainable development goals. And that's how we will see 8.7 actually resolve itself with the end of human trafficking. Yeah, this is true in the way that you put it. But the fact that it was not in the earlier drafts was an enormous disadvantage and an enormous setback to human dignity and freedom. It needed to be explicitly declared that this is what is going to be achieved, that these are amongst the most vulnerable people in the world and they needed to have an express reference in the, in the Sustainable Development Goals as to what was happening. And it was because of the vision and the influence of Pope Francis that this was brought about. And this is so important for people to understand because it does focus on, even though it's at the, the highest level and it's global, it still recognizes the human dignity, the imago Dei of the individual, whether it's a child, a woman, or a man. So you took this big concept and created a framework in Sydney, and I want to challenge people of every faith, institutions, whether it's academic, corporate, townships, communities, to follow this pattern and in the Sydney framework. And we're going to link to some of your resources, but can you give us a little more detail on how you develop the education and that kind of engagement into your strategy? Well, understand that we have a Catholic school system. Oh. The Catholic school system is a part of the mission of the church. It has, as if I could put it this way, it's core business, religious and moral education. And 
to be able to bring about an adjustment within that so that there is a specific emphasis and priority in respect of modern slavery and enforced labour is something that was an obvious point, particularly in a context where the Pope has wanted an international campaign in relation to this. So the framework was there and the system was adjusted both in terms of prayers, in terms of class material, in terms of curriculum, with various grades because the Catholic school system go from K to 12, K being kindergarten, and there is various levels at which, at which this is put. So the educational framework was there, specific material in respect of Catholic social teaching concerning slavery and forced labour and human dignity was brought to the fore as a part of the moral education of those in the Catholic schools. And the same in appropriate terms in respect to the parishes, that is, of the families of the of students in Catholic schools and others of the faithful who are part of the Catholic Church in Sydney. So there was a basis on which this could go forward, just as there is a basis on which this can go forward in respect of other churches in those terms. And for the parishes, you don't really need to have supply chains. You can introduce, as we have done, an ethical purchasing program so that it is broken down for people to be able to participate in the efforts of the archdiocese and the church to try and show that we are trying to eliminate as far as possible everything to do with goods and services that are tainted with slavery or forced labor. So this is replicatable based on the moral discipline, regardless of what faith tradition that you come from. I think for me, when I approach anti-human trafficking from an advocacy perspective, I'm often drawn into conversations that are from different sides of the aisle, if you will. And for me, there is no anti-organization that's fighting ending slavery. This is a bipartisan issue. This is a place that we as a global community can all agree. And the opportunity to work together across partisan lines, across religious lines, across racial and ethnic diversity, we can all be part of this. And I see this Sydney framework as something I would like people to look at doing in a community. Because when we do things by ourselves, it isn't scalable. What you've done is scalable. And are there resources to help us learn how to do that? Well, certainly we can provide the material in respect of our ethical purchasing scheme, the background and principles on which due diligence and supply chains can be made available to uh, to others in general terms. Things are going to have to be just adjusted for different continents and different countries and different developments. But the mission and the object has got to be the same, which is that religious moral people do not want and do not associate in any conscious way 
buying goods or services that are tainted with slavery or slavery. The other thing they should do, Professor, is this, in their own societies, that we have enormous procurement of goods and services by our governments. This is taxpayer money. And if there is not similar due diligence, if there is not similar vigilance in relation to where goods and services are had or programs about supply chains, then money is being given. Taxpayer money is being given to criminals. Given to criminals through this sort of distribution. And we have found in our country, and I believe it's so in in America and indeed right across the world, that when people are told that taxpayer money is being used or may be used unwittingly, maybe sometimes wittingly, but unwittingly, to buy goods and services that, that have not been checked as to whether there is slavery elements to it or forced labour, they just reject this. People say, just stop it. Don't use our taxes to support criminals. We don't want that. That can become, across nations and the world, the very basis on which these supply chains are broken. You put them out of business. And if you put them out of business, then there is going to be millions of people who are going to be freed. We're going to establish, although this world should, through 8.7, be establishing over the next 10 years that this is not to be a part of the future. That what the Pope wants is a, an attainable and real objective that should be achieved. And that is that we don't have another generation in slavery. Absolutely. We don't have another generation. Absolutely. We don't have another generation in forced labour. That this is not our world. That this is not the world that we want for our children or our grandchildren. I mean, I've got, you, me, you mentioned in my introduction, I've got grandchildren. Now, I don't want to see them in slavery, but I don't want to see any children in that situation. I and don't want, I don't want to see my grandchildren perpetuating this by making decisions exactly. that and are you pragmatic. You couldn't put it better, Professor. Yes. You couldn't put it better. This is such a deep discussion, and there's so much more that we can talk about. Our time is, is wrapping up. But what I want to encourage people is go back to previous podcasts. We'll put the links in the show notes. When we talked about the California Supply Chain Transparency Act, when we've talked about fair trade and what our students are doing using that, and how do you do supply chain evaluation. Those are skills that have to be part of this agenda if we are to see SDG 8.7 realized. And it takes everybody. I love challenging government procurement to become experts on supply chain transparency. That's amazing. Ambassador, will you just give us one minute summary of what you want to see happen this year in anti-trafficking? If I had my wish, this year there would be declarations by governments across the world that they are examining 
where they are obtaining goods and services and that they are announcing policies that say that if you do not have an active anti-slavery policy, you do not get a contract, that the public money will not go to you, and that the Christian churches and other religious faiths in their organisations say the same thing. And secondly, that across the world there has started to be built up a, an ethical purchasing policy, starting simply with ordinary people through parishes, but with other organisations coming, that people become conscious that their own purchasing decisions have a moral dimension and that they can feel they are a part of a program and a part of a process that's going on in this world that is going to see this end. And the third thing I would like to see with leaders in the anti-slavery cause and more generally is not only the Congress and assemblies inundated with all of that, but there becomes an atmosphere that this is a priority issue and that we are going to win this, that this is going to come, this slavery and forced labour is going to come to an end in all its aspects and that we are all working to bring this about. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll look forward to talking to you again, Ambassador. It's a pleasure. And I wish you well in all your work and carry the message as far and as loudly as is possible. I will, sir, I will. Your country is a leader in the world in things that can be done against slavery. There's more to be done, and I'm sure that the generosity of, the, of Americans is such that when they're told the direction in which it can be done and how it can be done, they will do it. I Absolutely. look forward to working with you. Sandy, I'm thinking about what the ambassador just said of spreading this message far and wide. And, you know, we've really been partnered with you, each of you as listeners of this show, in order to do that. And so thank you for the privilege to be of influence in your thinking about how you can take the next step to end human trafficking. And now we are inviting you to take that next step. If you haven't already, hop online and download a copy of Sandy's free book, The Five Things You Must Know, A Quick Start Guide to Ending Human Trafficking. It's the beginning point of being able to spread this message far and wide. And that beginning point is you, because it's going to teach you the five critical things that Sandy and the Global Center for Women and Justice think you should know before you join the fight against human trafficking. You can get access to that uh, for free. Just go over to endinghumantrafficking.org. That's also the hub for everything within the podcast and all the resources and links we mentioned in today's show. And of course, for every episode. And we will be back in two weeks with our next conversation. Sandy, thank you so much. Thanks, Dave. Take care, everyone.